Well, hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another Thursday night Bible study with Heritage of the Saints Ministry. This week we begin our next segment, the immovable anchor of God's Word. Becoming anchored in the Word of God is deeply dependent upon intimacy with God. Our intimacy with God acquaints us with his word, his ways, will, plans, and his person. Now, this is so very important because we must come to know who God is through his word, through the communion of the Holy Spirit, and through the life, the principles, and the word of Jesus Christ. As you come to know more about God, his person, his characteristics, his attributes, who God is and what he does, you start to develop the relational aspects of coming to know, followed by coming to love, and coming to trust. It's hard to trust someone you don't love, but let me just tell you that God's love is an enduring love and a love from everlasting. You can trust him. But as you take upon you this journey to know God, one day at a time, one prayer, one Bible study at a time, you'll also come to know that he is who he is and that he is I am that I am. Through our relationship with God, we are taught the ways and the paths of righteousness, the way of everlasting, and the way which will always be the truth and the light when you're following the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Through intimacy with God, we will then begin to build obedience to the word of God. His written word as well as his spoken word, his voice or the rhema word of God. We will be able to subscribe to the mind of Christ, which Philippians 2, 5 outlines as the mind that thinks on these things, things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are virtuous, things that are praiseworthy. Subscribing to the mind of Christ then helps with us developing and training in our surrender. The surrender to God's word, will, and ways in which through renewal of the mind allows us to focus our attention more on God, on Jesus, on the cross, and on the power of his resurrection. Meditation, focus, once cultivated, brings us into the submission through our obedience to God's mission, agenda, and timing. At this point, we are willing to do it God's way and in his timing and as his word prescribes it. The word must be ingrained and printed on our minds so that we can then fixate ourselves on Jesus the way Peter did on the water when he walked and the way Jesus did when he went to the cross. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. This week, we will begin to explore being anchored in the word, how being anchored in the word gives us access to the throne, how we are able to gain, maintain, and establish assistance of God for accomplishment, and how anchored in the word produces the atmosphere of prayer and praise. We will be exploring the scripture where our primary focus is around David, King of Israel, as well as King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's get going. Class is about to start.
and welcome. We are here today on an assignment that we know that God has set up for this time because this is the point in time and what we want to say that we do not look at the amount of people here. We look at the anointing that's gonna flow within to bring the other people in at God's timing. So I wanna start off tonight with prayer. Eternal and Holy Father, first of all, we come in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our savior, the one in whom we live, move and have our being. We come with thanksgiving in our hearts. So grateful tonight, Father, for what we know that you're getting ready to give us to grow and to, to fulfill the assignment that you've called us to do. Lord, we say thank you. We're excited for the people that you've chosen to be here and for all the things that you're getting ready to do. We don't even, can't even comprehend and imagine where you're gonna take us, where we need to go. So we just thank you for everything. We ask you to bless each and every one that is here tonight. Give them the wisdom and knowledge that they need from this teaching tonight. Lord, just enhance their ability, God, to move forward with it and to share it with others because it's all about bringing people into the kingdom. We're at a point now that it's all about the kingdom and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We praise and thank you and we just say hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord for he is a, a, a great and we thank you for anointing the facilitator for tonight, God. Bring her uh, what she needs to do. I know that she's studied, so anoint her for the assignment. And we carefully give your name all the glory, honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. I am on the video for a time, huh? Amen. Okay. Uh, we want to start out tonight. This is life principle number three. And the topic and the subject of it is God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. I want to read a, a, a scripture and I'm going to read uh, Numbers 19 and 20. And it reads, I'm sorry, did I say Numbers 23, 19 and 20? God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he, will he not make good? Uh, behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Praise be to God for who he is and for what he said and what we know he's going to do. Amen. The next Amen. one weeks of this, uh, this uh, principle is going to be, is, is based on helping us to consider God's promise of our spiritual anchor. We all must hold on to that anchor. And we know the only anchor we can hold to is Jesus. He is that anchor that will give us what we need when we call on his name, call on God, uh, his name in the name of Jesus, because he said in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. 
So we're acknowledging the fact not only is he Lord, he is our spiritual anchor. Once we learn to follow him, pursue his lead wherever he goes, because he never fails to keep his promises. We depend upon him through meditating on his word and listening for his voice. God will rescue you no matter what circumstances you're going to through. All you got to do is call on him, pray his word, because he said he stands on his word to perform it. And then it comes back and said it does not come to him void. So when we pray the word of God, the word of God is an important factor in our lives as a Christian. We cannot live a successful life in Christ without the word of God, because he is the word. As uh, we uh, touched on last week, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. So we know right now we're on the way to success. We're on the way to begin to see what God is getting ready to do. Let's get excited at what we know God is getting ready to do. We depend upon him through meditating, as I said, on his word and listening for his voice. His word is his voice. And the more you study the word, the more you spend before him, it doesn't matter how many Bible studies you go through or you study up, the more you before God, the more you're going to learn his personality and the more you're going to be sensitive to his voice. God will rescue you no matter what, as I said, the circumstances. We must always put God first. He's never second. He's always first. No matter what you go through, no matter what's going on in your life, he is first. So what does that mean? If he's Lord, that means we consult him first over anything that we do. We put him first and foremost. He will never be secondary. Cling to him and anchor your heart in his word. Leave room for him to bring everything together according to his plan and his timing. He has a timing. And sometimes we'll go through certain things and we thinking God is taking too, too long and then we'll try to help him with it. And then it takes longer because God wants you to stand on your faith. And so no matter how long it takes, you know God said it, so you're going to anchor yourself in his word and believe that he is going to do it. The closer you become to God through spending time with him, and that's the important part of learning how to make sure that you are number, God is number one in your life, and you are going to make sure you know his voice because his voice is gonna help, studying the word is gonna help you to be able to recognize his voice when he's speaking to you. The more sensitive you will become to his voice, follow his lead, you will receive blessings and miracles. The New International Version, Isaiah 26 and three, it said, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is are steadfast because they trust in him. And someone had said one time in, um, on the, the line that, you know, sometimes when they're down and they're praying, their mind wanders. Well, get the word of God. Use one of these scriptures. Lord, you said if, if, if I keep my mind 
if I keep my mind set on you, you'll keep me in purpose, perfect peace. Perfect, I'm sorry, perfect peace. So we gotta make sure that we put the word of God before that because we wanna make sure that we meditate on God's word and, and be sensitive to what it is he's trying to tell us. What is significant significance about the anchor in the Bible? Anchors are notautical device that, prov that provides stability to ships during harsh storms, protecting them from being tossed around at sea. Throughout history, anchors has served as a much needed device for sailors. In the Bible, an anchor is used as a symbol of our hope in Jesus that gives us stability and steadfastness in life. The word anchor mentioned in the New Testament is only anchor. The word anchor is only mentioned in the New Testament. It refers to a literal anchor in some passage, but is used as a metaphor in others. The Bible uses an anchor frequently to deplete the hope we have as the anchor of our souls. We're gonna learn through this lesson how to use the word of God and use it to anchor ourselves in times of storm. And as we begin to turn it over to Apostle Harper, uh, I did wanna touch a little bit on uh, what we had said. If you have questions, cause we don't, we're limited in time. So if you have questions about what's going on today or what you learned, write it down. And at the beginning, when before, before we start, we'll, go, we'll pray and then we'll go over the questions that you have. And that way we'll get those in and you know, because you might have questions. So just write them down and make sure you come on at the beginning and we'll try, I think the time Apostle Harper is that we start at least by what? 10 after six, uh, 10 after seven? You're muted. Yes, 10 after seven, typically we're trying to just kind of close that gap, especially as we um, just get better at uh, coordinating. Um, so most likely, um, of course, after these next four weeks, because we have this session and then three more sessions and we'll be wrapping up for our first segment, which covers the first three life principles. We will then take a seven week sabbatical before returning. Um, but upon return, I'm hoping to possibly at least have our question answer section um, from 6.45 to seven. And then from seven to 7.10 um, or maybe seven to 7.05, we'll be able to just do our welcome and then get rolling because we have such a meaty, um, assignment and delivery of the word and I don't want to shortcut it or be rushed through it um and I don't think a rushed word would do us any good anyway so um for now if we can at least get on the line if you do have questions at seven um that'll give us from seven to seven ten to answer your questions and then again after our sabbatical we'll be trying to transition our question answers to 6 45 to seven Okay, I do have a question. Could you uh, give them the email address 
again where they email any questions to? Sure. Again, if you have any questions, you can email grandma period and me Bible study at gmail.com. Um, I do have most emails are on the line. So if you need an email from that email, just if that'll be easier for you to um, keep the thread, um, we will definitely just send out an email through that. But it's grandma.andme Bible study at gmail.com. Another question, is Tuesday still open? Um, for right now, uh, we're just doing Thursdays. Um, however, the Lord leads, though, we will possibly just try to hold a more open question answer session on Tuesdays as we continue along in this journey of our um, Bible study and walking through the Bible. Okay. So that's all I have on the introduction introduce into uh turning it over to apostle okay thank you thank you thank you thank you and awesome the anchor is a nautical device um because i'm actually going to pick up from there all righty so of course over the last eight weeks we have been working through the first three principles from our Charles Stanley uh, Bibles if you have it um, great if you don't don't worry. Um, he also has these life principles printed in a separate booklet um, it is the 30 life principles. Um, the Bible is the life principles um daily life principles study bible by charles stanley and that bible is just set up a certain way to help you actually understand the word um a lot of times if you've been in church a while uh we may be acquainted with the word but to really have the word richly dwelling in us it requires that we really understand it because without understanding we can't apply it and so these Bible study sessions are set up so that we can extract from the word of God what he is saying to us so that we can live out the Christian life that has already been paid for in the blood of Jesus Christ. Our first segment, which is the first four weeks, and if you weren't with us, don't fret. We have those sessions via audio available on Apple Podcasts. Spotify and Amazon Music. You'll search it by Heritage of the Saints Ministry. And you will want to begin with Life Principle One, which is intimacy with God, which is His highest priority for our lives. And then that is followed up by Life Principles Two, our segments on obedience. Life principle two is obey God and leave all the consequences to him. And now we are actually rounding out our first session on principles one through three. And we are on life principle three. The word of God is an immovable anchor in the times of storm. So for all intents and purposes, this session is anchored in the word. And we will follow this up with three additional anchored specific sections, thoroughly rooted in the Bible, um, rooted to truth, therefore it is immovable. 
So in our last segment, we explored the Bible and examined what obedience means. We have obedience to God, which is doing what is desirable and pleasing to God. And we also have disobedience. Disobedience is ignoring, edging God out, and not doing what he has commanded us. Now, we are responsible for what we know and do not do. Okay? So knowing that, when we are challenged with an opponent, an adversary, uh, opposition, that opponent, that adversary, if we choose to follow after them, we will find ourselves falling into disobedience. Disobedience to God is thus then obedience to evil, wickedness, darkness, and the things that are produced by the depraved mind. What is the depraved mind? The depraved reprobate Mind is the darkened mind, the mind that has not been illuminated with the light of God's word. The enlightened mind is the mind that has been exposed to the light. It has been exposed to the word of God. Enlightened minds are, I would go so far as to say obtain because it's something that you have to work towards through your efforts and striving in your intimacy with God. Your intimacy with God acquaints us with his word, his ways, his will, his plans, and his person. This is very important because um, coming to know God is different from knowing of God. We see it in the Old Testament where the Israelites, because they are the Israelites once they have now passed over the Red Sea, the Israelites are the children of God, the Hebrews. And I remember the first time reading the Bible, I kind of got confused. I'm like, well, I thought the children of God were called the Hebrews and not the sons of Israel. But it was only through reading that Charles Stanley Bible that I was able to gain the understanding because just like Jacob transitioned from the trickster into Israel, the one who would birth the promise, um, 12 tribes that would literally dominate their time, be prospered and have the protection, the presence of God. Just like Jacob had a name change, just like Abraham and Sarai had a name change into Abraham and Sarah, the Hebrews had a change in their name from the Hebrews to the sons of Israel. When you're moving into your promise, you get a name change. You get a new identity. This is the new man. This is what is created out of your time spent with God and out of the obedience to his word. So coming to know God personally is what enables you to trust and follow the instructions, to trust and follow his correction and the path that God commands it is most certainly foolish to follow after someone you don't know. And this is where a lot of people are struggling. They're struggling um, to either choose faith, continue in faith, 
or may be doubtful in their faith because they do not know God for themselves. You have to take the time to be in his presence. How do we gain God's presence? By studying our Bibles, not as a checkoff list, but really sitting down, taking time uninterrupted, undistracted to spend time in his word. This is how you have your conversation with God. He has already written out a conversation for us, but even from a written conversation, we draw new water, we draw new revelation, we draw new insight, we get strategies. This is my life strategy, Bible, God's word, what is written and what is also said to me. His word says that obedience is better than sacrifice. It will reap rewards of God if it is he that you are following. There are also rewards of disobedience, but those rewards are called consequences. Those rewards are called sin. Those rewards are called death, which is separation from God. So you have to choose ye this day which master you will serve. For no man can serve two masters, for he will love the one and hate the other disobedience which is obedience to god's adversary you're obeying the schemes the plots the plans and the tactics of darkness wickedness and principalities this is going to further lead you down the slippery slope of the depraved mind obeying god however and being able to identify his ways his will his paths the identity of god's Ways, will, and paths are the path of righteousness, the paths of everlasting, which are the ways other saints were able to please God, the paths of the way, which will always be truth and life. You will not have to lie about what you are doing, who you're doing it with, and what you are doing will not diminish your life. The paths of righteousness keep you from falling and stumbling the paths of righteousness allow you to climb upon the mountains like the hinds feet of deer surefoot habaka when you are obedient to god you don't incur god's wrath we see throughout the bible whether they were a child of god or the unsaved such as the heathen nations like the Amorites, the Amalekites, um, the king of Aram, the Persians, the Medes, and the Babylonians, whether you're a child of God or not, he's so just and fair that he will not withhold the punishment and judgment for disobedience. So when you're obedient to God, you do not incur the wrath of God. This does not mean we don't or are not subject to trials and challenges of the adversary because only God will test us. The enemy will tempt you. But those two are two separate things that we don't really have time to get into. Um, but obedience to God, you do not incur the wrath of God. You actually accumulate the blessings, the abundant peace, the abundant life that is given to us through Jesus Christ. You also should not mentally, emotionally, psychologically, nor spiritually or physically have shame, 
have a causal of guilt upon you or regret sorrowfully. That is condemnation. So when you're obedient to God, we are subject to correction and conviction, but not condemnation. The word says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we can differentiate our paths as well if we're walking the correct path. Yes, I may have stumbled or might have messed up right here, but if it's correction and conviction, okay, I can receive that and pivot. But if you're continuously rocking down the path and it's continuous condemnation, all you need to do is turn and repent. And that's what's so great about God. The quicker you are to repent, the quicker he is to forgive. So um, don't ever think to yourself that God won't deal with you um, because the enemy is parading your failures and your shortcomings. That is a deception. Again, God is just and fair to forgive. He is so patient and long-suffering and desires to forgive you. Those who repent quickly receive forgiveness quickly. But if you stay too long in your um, unrepentance, then the torture of yourself lies in that unrepentance. You're literally torturing yourself because you can choose to repent. And some are just so hard of heart that they just still won't do it. So let me just say, um, if we are looking at the Bible, we see over and over and over again, those that sin against God perish, they are destroyed or they are utterly annihilated. Again, you reap what you sow you may reap later, bigger, or way further down the line than when you've sown that seed. But we live in a kingdom of seed. And because God's kingdom is set on seed, there's always a sowing and a reaping or a harvest of that seed. If you're sowing good, if you're sowing the things of righteousness, if you're sowing patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, you reap those things in abundance back to you. Sometimes I'm quite amazed at how kind and patient and helpful strangers are to me, but I am effectively affecting the transaction of that back to me by the works that I do. These are the works of faith, the works that show the goodness of God, the works that help his light shine in a darkened world. For anyone who is skeptical, doubtful, decidedly unconvinced, history repeats itself. Those who have sown wickedness, yes, they may have had that power for a time, but their time is shortened. They don't remain in those positions. The unrenewed, degenerate, Unre unregenerated mind the bible says in ecclesiastes 1 9 that what has been will be again and what has been done will be done again there is nothing new under the sun so what more can we say to this truth that was written well before the printing press evil workers and rulers have but only a short time it's temporal and it's temporary 
stay in obedience, stay subscribed to the mind of Christ, stay surrendered to God's word, will, and ways, and stay submitted to his mission, his agenda, and his timing. Now, over the last eight weeks, we have explored that in the fall of man with the eating of the apple, disobedience to God's command not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what was lost in the garden was voice, vicinity, vision, and victory. However, through Christ's coming and his great sacrifice, all things were restored back to us through him. So in the subscription of the mind of Christ, we become acquainted with the standard of godly living as outlined by God's word. We are students. He is teaching us through his word. For anyone who did not make those previous section, sessions, um, I'll give you some time to jot down these key scriptures for our intimacy with God and obey God and leave the consequences to him. Our overlining umbrella to help us see the difference between the godly and the wicked, the just and the unjust, we have Psalms 1 and 2. Again, that is Psalm 1 and 2 as our umbrella. And then we have for subscription, which is subscribing and becoming acquainted with the standard of godly living and his word. We have Philippians 2 and 5, which says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We have 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. So it is the sound mind that we are striving for that we obtain through becoming acquainted with the standard. And Joshua 1.8. Meditating the word will be imperative to the beginning processes of making our minds malleable to the working of the spirit over us so that that new man can be brought forth as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the new creation. In our surrender portion of our obedience segment, which is surrendering to God's word, his will, his ways, we're achieving the surrender which is letting go of ourselves and choosing to follow him. This training is a daily training. It's, it's, it's how we strengthen our faith muscles in the faith gym through renewing our mind daily. Now we have graduated from student to a mentoree. The mentoree is still under the training and the tutelage of an expert, still being supervised. However, now we have a little bit more leadway, and now we also get to do a bit of self-examination as well as examine us in comparison to the Bible, which should be our mirror. We get to see what we should look like 
how we currently appear and then make those adjustments. This is done through our communion with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, for our scriptures, we focus a lot on Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, but I really, really encourage you to run the full gamut of that uh, chapter because it'll give you a more complete understanding. We have headlining our surrender to God's word, will, and ways, Romans 12, one through two, that you actually present yourself as a living sacrifice. If, if presenting yourself as a living sacrifice is not surrender, then I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And there's no um, better method of God making us surrender than to put us in positions that we cannot get ourselves out of or we don't see our way out of because through any situation, he always makes a way of escape, even when it seems glum, okay? Look for light at the end of the tunnel. And long as you have light on your feet, take the next step. Be constantly seeking him. That's what the surrender is. The surrender is, I don't claim to know how to do this. I won't even claim to know how you want to do this because a lot of times we like to be a bit presumptuous and presume that he'll do it this way and he won't do it the A way, he'll do it B way. But you have to be in, in constant contact and maintain connection for, I would say, an audible call if you watch football where, yeah, we may come up to the line, line of scrimmage against um, – the defense or the offense, depending on what side we're playing on. But if we come up to the line and the opponent starts moving his players around, we have to quickly readjust. And when we start quickly readjusting, we're not readjusting based on what I can see. Typically, that shot is called from a coach who's sitting up in the stands all the way up in the skybox. This is how it is with God. We're the ground players on the field, and he's sitting up in the skybox with the aerial view. He can see the complete field. So you have to be prepared. You have to be in tune. You have to be on his frequency to be able to receive an audible call. You got to be able to and be ready for a, a play change. Many a times I have found myself walking out into my day um, with my schedule divinely arranged by God, and I am following that schedule. This is where our playbook is for the day. And lo and behold, I'm walking through my day, executing what he's telling me to do. And there'll be a moment where we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. So you have to be ready to pivot. Lastly, the third part of our obedience segment is submission, which is we are now getting under the mission, the agenda, and the timing of God. This portion of the obedience segment, now we're focusing on the word being ingrained and imprinted on us. So subscription, we are beginning to make our minds malleable. We're making our minds like Play-Doh, okay? Able to be worked in the creator's hand. Meditation, we're meditating the word, we're mulling it over, we're rotating that word. We're, we're meditating it day and night on our bed. And when Joshua did it, God told him you will have good success and be prosperous, okay? In our surrender, we're focusing on the word. 
because now we're renewing our mind daily and we're looking out for an audible. We're, we're, we're looking and attentive for what God will have us do. We don't want to presume and take a step left when he wants us to go right. And submission, now under his mission, his agenda, and his timing, now we have to fixate on Jesus. We have to fixate on his word. We have for our scriptures here, as well for surrender, um, Matthew 4, 4. Man should not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Proceedeth means he's continually talking. But what we also know from our Isaiah 55, he, his word won't return to him void. Isaiah 55, 11, but we have to back up to Isaiah 55, 3, because in Isaiah 55, 3, it says, incline your ear. That's your part. Okay. We do our part. God does his part. We do what we can do. God does what we can't do. He sends the word, but your, your ear has to be inclined. So someone with a hard heart, stiff neck, stubborn, who will not hearken onto the word of God is not being spoken to. For 400 years in exile, they didn't get a word. And we see the expression of not receiving a word from God during those times of captivity we see it expressed in the sorrow and in the countess as he, he talks to Israel during those times through his prophets. You don't want to be without the word. You don't want to be without a command because in the command there's protection and provision. Okay? So... Under submission, we're getting under God's mission, agenda, and timing. Reference Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, um, because even Jesus had to fixate. That cross was not going to be comfortable or pleasant for him. But we, because we're able to now have a standard and a perspective and a point to fixate on because by fixating on the cross, we're fixating on the victory that we have through Jesus. Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame is now set down at the right hand of God. I don't know what other victory we could ask for. We have an advocate who sits at the right hand of God. And Jesus says, if you go pray, pray in my name. When you submit to God, you don't just get the door, you get the door and it's open. So we have Hebrews 12, one and two. We have Joshua six, because when Joshua was fixated, inclined his ear to the word of the Lord, he got an unconventional plan to go take Jericho walk around the city once a day for six days on the seventh day walk around seven times with the priest blow the trumpets make a shout and the walls come down that unconventional plan of attack 
gave Joshua and the sons of Israel the victory. They took it just as God had prophesied that they would take it. Okay. So Hebrews 12, one through two. Matthew 4, 4. Read all of Joshua 6 and then make it your business to sit in Hebrews 11. The hall of faith, by faith, with faith. And now faith. We, we, we are living in the now, so you have to have now faith. But there are some things we will have to do by faith and with faith. And I would just say that the now faith is what gets you a miracle and the by faith and with faith are what helps sustain us until we reach the end point of what God has either shown us or promised us, okay? So you must constantly resubmit yourself to the mission of God daily. You have to wake up decidedly having already chosen, I will love and follow the Lord. If we read John 14, in 14, 15, you know, Jesus hits it with an arrow. He says, those that love me, obey me. But sometimes just being a, sh a straight shooter doesn't work for everyone. Some of them want those, that flattery of ears, flattery of words. So in John 14, then same chapter, a little further down, in 1421, again, Jesus reiterates, and, and I tell you, live in those red words, live where Jesus is speaking in those red words, those words are full of blood. In John 1421, I'm going to actually back up to 20 because Jesus is actually mandating that he is the son of God. And he says, at that time, when the day comes, you will know for yourselves, I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. The reiteration of those that love me, obey me from verse 15. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and will show reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him, okay? So those that love him, obey him. Sounds like a source of some self-examination. Again, spend time in his word. If he spoke it more than once, he means it. And Jesus loves us so much that he'll speak to us so that we can understand. That's what the parables are about. The parables are about Jesus being able to speak to people on a level and with illustration, illustrative words so that they could understand what is complex and complicated and foolish to those who will not believe. He desires and already knows those hearts that are pumped and primed to believe him so he is adamant at making sure you understand his word and you keep it now if we're keeping something that's something that's up to me so be attentive to certain phrases as you now continue forth in your bible study where he says let do keep 
follow. Those are commands. They're just not written the way they were written when he gave the commandments down to the Hebrews at Mount Sinai. It's not the thou shalt not, even though it still covers those. So when anyone tries to tell you that the Bible is contradictory, it is absolutely not. It is inerrant. It is without error. Okay. And it will not change. It is without error. What is in error is us and our thinking because we have been born into sin and shaping through iniquity. So our minds now have to be regenerated, restored, and renovated back to the original creation, which can only be done through studying of the word. God will say something more than one time, two different ways but I'll have the same target. Obey God. One of our um, closing statements was that, um, and I believe this was in the surrender portion, that without obedience, we would have no salvation. Jesus was so obedient and it is because of his obedience onto the cross that we even have salvation. We actually get salvation through the process of, I'm sorry, we get obedience developed in us through the process of sanctification. And that sanctification process is only made available to us through salvation. This is doing the uh, works of faith and working out your salvation. It's through sanctification, sanctified by the word, washed by the word, changed, transformed by his word. In Revelation 2.26, I submit to you that there is no overcoming without obedience. If we back up a little bit and start at verse... 24 and i'm reading out of the amplified i do read out of the new king james um however god has me doing a lot of study out of the amplified but revelations 2 24 says but to the rest of you in tyatara who do not hold this teaching who have not explored and known the depths of satan As they say, I tell you that I do not lay upon you any other fresh burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. And he who overcomes is victorious and who obeys my command to the very end, doing the works that please me, I will give him authority and power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a scepter rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces and his power over them shall be like that which I myself have received from my father there's no overcoming without obedience none we we and and even backing up again in revelations again we overcome by what the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony your tests are what produce your testimony and producing your testimony means you were obedient and did what God asked you to do. Through the great sacrifice of Christ, the blood of the lamb, 
and by our obedience, when we get Revelation 2, 24 through 27, now living in us, your divine God-like nature will be manifested. And I mean that wholeheartedly and sincerely. Your life should be a life of what the world perceives as supernatural, but will be your normal living, a life full of miracle size wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. That should actually be our normal living. So, you know, I'm not trying to get nothing from nobody. I'm trying to get this to you. I, as I work and continue to see the fruits of my labor and continue to hear the promises of God as he pronounces them over my life. And I'm just sitting here, I, I'm only in the waiting phase. I, I'm, I'm in great expectation. I'm waiting on the manifestation and the demonstration. I'm just waiting on my evidence. I desire that you too move to a position of expectation and then be sitting and waiting for manifestation and demonstration. So meditate the word, your time in the word, genuine, authentic prayer can come by no other way. No other way. Prayer helps with submission and obedience because it's the strength you pull of the Lord that keeps you from drifting when challenged, persecuted, and afflicted. And so as we... Do, do I want to go there right now? It's fair not yet. Okay. Um, So yes, you, you, you're going to pull your strength of the Lord through your prayer. It's, it's how he imparts it and infuses it into you. Though you may feel weak with tears, um, sniffles, you may even not be sure of what to pray or feel like you don't have um, the right words. If you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray in the spirit. But if not, that's okay. The Bible is loaded, totally loaded with things to pray. In Luke 11, Jesus teaches his disciples when they ask, teach us how to pray. He gives them the heavenly prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, your prayer should start with bread. And I'm not talking about the bread of this world. I'm talking about the bread of life. So your prayer should start with God, our father who art in heaven or father in the name of Jesus. And then you want to fill your sandwich with your thanksgiving and your requests and your petitions. And then you want to round out your prayer sandwich with more bread in Jesus's name, in Jesus's mighty matchless name, in the name of your son, Jesus. So we're going to start with bread, thanksgiving, Fill it with our requests and our petitions, and then we're going to always end in bread. If you're looking or you need prayer around a certain subject, I encourage you to actually take time and read maybe a psalm a day um, because great were the afflictions of the servant David. I I read through Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, and Psalms, and it's so hard, especially the Psalm. It's so hard for me to read Psalm and not cry. 
so hard because like the chosen are so greatly tested. The chosen are so greatly, um, their peace is so greatly chastised. Um, the chosen are so greatly persecuted, but through them all, he delivers you. And um, my favorite Psalm is Psalm 23. That's the one that gives me the most strength because I know that even though it seems like a valley of the shadow of death, like it's, it's the things are set in front of your eyes to make you feel like you're not going to make it. You won't get out of this. Um, I don't know where I'm going. Why do I feel so alone? Psalm 23 gives such encouragement. Because on the other side of that valley is a table in the presence of your enemies with a cup that's running over and your head anointing in oil. So as we're talking about anchoring in the word, we're talking about enduring and persevering. And if you leave it to the modes, the methods, the strategy, strategies of the world, there's no guarantee you're going to make it because those methods, strategies crumble themselves. But the one thing that remains always is the word of God. So anchor yourself around the, his word. Um, the Psalms are such a songful hymnal prayer. But if you're like me and, uh, you know, when he was distributing gifts, he didn't give you that songful gift. You can still sing anyways, because um, I just, who I just be like, Lord, you want me to sing? Because sometimes they'll tell me to sing it, and I'm like, you know you skipped me on that gift. And it sounds like a cat with claws on the chalkboard. And I think dogs start howling when I sing, but he'll tell me to sing anyways. And there's something just about the vibration of the breath in your chest when you're lifting your voice that can literally change your countenance. So I see why David sung so much. Um, he wasn't just shaking his outward atmosphere as he moved sound frequencies. He actually um, was able to shake his internal atmosphere through the vibration of the breath, the lungs, and gas exchange. So sing your praise sing the psalms or just you know speak them read them and, and pray make them prayerful you can read scripture prayerfully if you father in the name of jesus you are my shepherd i shall not want this is how we start turning scripture into prayer of course we have a section our very last one to round us out that will be anchored in prayer by someone who i know is well more than well qualified to teach it um who prays the word okay so we'll we'll be working on praying the word and praying scripture and being anchored in prayer our last week but until then, just open your heart to him. Open your heart to him or speak the Davidic Psalm prayers. Um, 
of someone who we know knew affliction, knew attack, knew betrayal, trusted God in uncertain circumstances, and someone who was greatly familiar with R-E-P-E-N-T-A-N-C-E, repentance. So this kind of wraps up our um, summary of the last two sections. Life principle one, which is intimacy with God is his highest priority for our lives. And two, which is obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Moving us into now being anchored in the word. Being anchored in the word, we're now going to build upon our last session, which was um, submission, getting under God's mission, his agenda, and his timing. When we start being anchored in the word, we are and under submission, we are under his commands. That means we have allowed him to take position in our life as Lord as our shepherd, as our savior, and also as our commanding officer. He's the commander. Let him command the things over my life. Let him order my steps. That's how he orders his step, your steps. He orders your steps by his commands and by the spirit. You got to um, hearken on to those unctions. How is God commanding us? He commands through his written word, which is the logos word or the Bible. And he also commands us through his spoken word, which is the rhema word. We can get his spoken word directly from him or through our pastors, our prophets, our apostles, and even our visions. His spoken word, as well as his, as well as his written word, um, I feel like the written word gives us a map or a compass of either where we've come from or where we're going to, or just a landscape of what we may currently be sitting in that is unfamiliar to us. But his spoken word helps keep you in position because position is dependent upon place and time. And you want to be in the place that God has ordained for you at that time, not a different time, but at that time because where his presence is so is his peace so you have to be what in the present to experience his presence and have his peace your position is so important because um when we're talking about him now being a commanding officer as a commanding officer i, I would say the chief commanding officer because even angels have to submit to jesus and we are talking in relation to ranking. At the top, we have God. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Father. We have them as our head. And the head is the most superior point of a body, okay? So as our chief commanding officer, as our head, it's at, at the top. So no wonder he says, let this mind be in you, because what's the first thing that has contact with our top, our minds? And he wants to nestle, nestle himself and settle in our minds. So 
Submission and anchoring are positional terms. Anchoring holds you in place. Submission gives us the place of position, but the anchoring will hold you in place. When we actually think about the structure of an anchor, there's no anchor without connection. There's a chain, if we're thinking about nautical devices, the boat. To drop anchor, we're dropping anchor with a chain. You can either drop anchor and be short-chained, which means like it's a firm anchoring, but sometimes you can drop anchor and then give slack on the chain, which will allow a little bit of drifting. But if we've dropped anchor with some slack in the chain and a storm comes, you're going to get tossed to and fro on that sea. So it is preferred that you're anchored with the short chain. You don't want to get too far away from God. And the further you get away from God, the more faint his voice gets. Whereas the closer you are to him, you hear clearly. I like clear instructions. And even with being close to God, I say, hi, huh? can you tell me again? Okay, one more time. I just want to make sure I got it. God is not slack to reissue his command. He is not slack to reissue the command so that you can understand it if you possibly didn't understand it or you just want to make sure you're going to really get it correctly. I am no longer a perfectionist, but I am a completist. So I want to make sure I complete the job as he prescribes me to do it. Again, anchoring holds you in place. And depending on the slack in the chain, it will prevent you from drifting. If you have too much slack in that chain, and I think we're the ones who are in control of that chain, um, though it's anchored to God, I think he lets us control the chain. And that may be our free will. But if you have too much slack in that chain, and as we were talking about the dispensation of being in Christ Jesus, that slack, um, if we give ourselves too much slack, then you start seeing, as we have seen across our lifetime, some people drift and fall away from the faith. So those who allow too much slack in their chain they're not rooted in the word they're not they they don't have a prayer life they don't do no praise and worship they have no fellowship they don't have the atmosphere conducive to um being anchored those are the ones who are taken apart taken i'm sorry taken taken away by the false doctrine false prophets and the false teachers We'll be exploring um, more of the varied anchors of faith in Jesus, that Jesus provides us with. Um, but the anchoring in this section is um, anchoring in the word, which also proves God is who he says he is. And when you believe this, then you'll also believe God about who he says you are. So what we're seeing in our Christian walk is the same thing that Jesus saw coming out of the wilderness being tempted of the devil. He's challenging the identity of God and he's challenging your identity in God.
So anchoring in the word, anchoring again means connection. There is no anchor without a chain to connect us. For us, we're connected through um, faith. And then we maintain that connection by praying, staying our word, praising and fellowshipping. And then of course, walking out our salvation through the sanctification and becoming obedient, following what has already been prescribed for us. Benefits of the connection, benefits of being anchored. Um, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So we're, if we're connected to the word, then we're connecting to God. So connecting to God give us, gives us first access to the throne. And our access to the throne through Jesus is a trifold um, deity that becomes anchored in Christ. We are spirit, soul, and body. But when we become renewed in Christ through the renewing of the mind by the washing of the word, then our uh, original creation comes forth. And our three, our threefold deity as prophet, priest, and royalty comes forth. We see this in Jesus in his life as he was the prophet who could see around the corner. He knew as he came to Jerusalem, pending his crucifixion, that there would be a, a donkey and a colt tied to a pole. And he tells his disciples, hey, go get it. And if anyone asks you, tell them that the master has need of it. He can actually see around corner and see into other cities. So by all means, know that he knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And he's already provided a way of escape. In his priesthood, Jesus um, broke bread with his disciples to um, actually give the, um, to serve the, the holy sacraments for the last supper. This is where we get the breaking of the bread and the drinking of wine and remembrance of him. Jesus's um, deity as king, he decreed and declared the final, the finality of things in the Old Testament where he is concealed, in the New Testament where he's revealed, because he kept he keeps saying that, you know, in three days I would tear down his temple and raise it up anew. He prophesied that he prophesied as well as saw it accomplished in finality to the word that he sent forth, which did not return to him void, the first fruits of faith, which is us, me and you. So um, as the first fruits of faith and by him always seeing the cross and knew, knowing where he was headed, the one who cleanses now is not cleansed by water, but cleansed by blood. Now, just some insight of me and the Holy Ghost kicking it. We see the change in the baptism in the, at the wedding of Canaan. That miracle wasn't just about water into wine. He was actually giving us a preview of the big event when he changed that water to wine. Because... Once he changed the water to wine, it didn't change back. Just like our baptism now, which is in Christ Jesus through the confession of faith, by believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouth, we are only saved by the blood. So he actually gave us a preview at the wedding of Cana when he changed water to wine. 
It wasn't just about satisfying the pleasure of the party, but it was to showcase too that now that great joy, that elation that they would have at the party in, again, like a parable in these things he would again do for spiritual things. Now, David, David also exhibits his trifold deity through 1 Samuel, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles. David, as the prophet, he saw the temple before it was erected. Now, he wasn't the one who would actually do the building, but he saw the temple before it was erected, but those plans were actually given and carried out by Solomon. That's David as the prophet. And then we also hear and see all his prophecies written in Psalm and throughout Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Now, David as the priest. And though they will try to contest this, I know I'm right. Because David was able, him and his men were able to eat the table of showbread, the holy bread. And it was only given to them by a priest. But God previously, we saw how he handled the sons of Aaron when they mishandled the holy things. So we have insight that David too was made holy because of his connection and able to eat the table, the show, the showbread from the ark. And he and his men did not die. David as king, of course, we see him as the undefeated king. Again, David is a shadow of Jesus. David was the undefeated king of Israel. And we see Jesus as the undefeated king of the world, of heaven, earth, all things in subjection and submission to his word and his name. So accessing the throne means that we have to marry God. And through marrying God, now we are that 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 marriage arranges marriage to the promises of God. And we're loaded with promises um, for unwavering faith because your faith will be tested. But don't let the waves rock or move you. Shoring up that chain, shoring up that chain in the times of storming, you won't get tossed to and fro. You'll be able to remain solid in that um, situation and then come out not even smelling like fire. This is the revelation that we get from uh, Peter and Jesus when Peter walks on water. When it, the storm was calm, when there was a calm on the sea, and he received the command, he could walk. There was the protection and the provision, the provision that you will not seek and the protection that you're gonna make it to me. But when the storm starts, he lost his focus and he failed to fixate on Jesus. If Peter would have fixated on Jesus, not only would he have walked and met Jesus, but then they would have both walked back together to the boat. So literally just, you know, the, the we're, we're loaded with promises. And Hebrews 11 tells us about the promises that this, 
other saints did not obtain like they they knew of the promises but they didn't get to possess the promise and we also know that um in exodus that when god uh did the exclusions because of disobedience while in the wilderness they knew the promise but they didn't get to possess the promise it was joshua and the next generation that would go and actually possess the promise so access to the throne anchoring in the word ultimately it gives us first peter two and nine which says that we are a royal priesthood you see beginning at verse seven it says to you then who believe who adhere to trust in and rely on him in the preciousness but for those who disbelieve it is true the very stone which the builders rejected has become the main cornerstone and a stone that will cause stumbling and a rock that will give men offense they stumble because they disobey and disbelieve god's word as those who reject him were destined and appointed to do but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have received mercy. Beloved, I implore you as aliens and strangers and exiles in this world to abstain from the sensual urges, the evil desires, the passions of the flesh, your lower nature that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves properly, honorably, righteously among the Gentiles so that although they may slander you as evildoers, yet they may be witnessing your good deeds. Come to glorify God in the day of inspection when God shall look upon you wanderers as a pastor or shepherd looks over his flock. Be submissive to every human institution and authority for the sake of the world, whether it be, we go on to that. But I want to just sit on nine where it says nine and 10 that we are chosen. So, you know, God picked you and because God picked you, the enemy be picking on you. Got that from Pastor Keon. Keon Henderson, Lighthouse Church, Houston. Thank you for that. Okay. Keeping pace. So we have anchoring in the word. Anchor meaning that we're connected. Access to the throne. We are a royal priesthood. Two. When you're anchored in the word, you get the assistance of God for accomplishment. For David, David will pray and God answered. Now we see also that Saul prayed and got no answer. Obedient, disobedient. Man after God's own heart. 
one who was too high in his own eyes. David did what God said to do and would wait, would not touch his anointing nor do a prophet any harm when he, even though he had the opportunity and the chance. Saul, on the other hand, would not wait for God and prematurely offered up the sacrifice. David didn't lose a battle and didn't lose a war. He was victorious. So when we're anchored in the word, we get the assistance of God for accomplishment. Likewise, this all goes back to our premise of when you're in, when you have intimacy with God, when you are obedient to his word, his will, his ways, and submitted to his agenda and timing, you maintain voice, vicinity, vision, and victory. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus' assistant is the same help we have, the helper, the Holy Spirit. How do we know that the Holy Spirit was with Jesus? Because Luke 3.22 says he descended like a dove. With David, we knew and even heard the proclaiming that the Lord was with David. Jesus did everything he was shown, which means he had vision. Jesus also heard from God. Well, he heard from himself because he is God. And he is the father. He's in the father, Holy Spirit. Y'all get what I'm saying? Um, but Jesus also did not lose a case or have a failing miracle, which means he had victory. Now we inherit the victory because of the cross. Now, if we cycle back to Revelations 2 again, we're going back to the obedience and the overcoming. The two go hand in hand. And when the two go hand in hand, what it brings along is the divine God-like nature to be manifested. Lastly, being anchored in the word produces an atmosphere of praise and prayer. One brings and stirs up joy and the other stirs up peace. Do you know which one does which? I would surmise that praise stirs up our joy. Again, there's a vibration of air to create sound which creates then waves which can disturb atmospheres so we disturb not only the outward atmosphere but also our internal one and we stir up the joy and prayer it helps settle peace in our soul peace across our thinker filler and chooser david and his atmosphere because of connection not only did he prophesy and sing the Psalms and pray throughout 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Kings and Chronicles, but we see that David's atmosphere was also an atmosphere that allowed those who were distressed and under duress to collect themselves onto him. In 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, 
David had just escaped the cave of Adullam and his brothers and all his father's house had now heard about it and they went down to him. And so did everyone in distress or in debt or discontented gather to him. And he became a commander over them and there were with him about 400 men. So your connection to God will actually, when you're going out and about in your day, you bring his, his, his presence and his atmosphere with you, the atmosphere of God. Jesus, the same thing. The multitude were drawn to him. And with them were the sick, the infirm, and those that were oppressed by the devil. And all those who came to Jesus received the healing, the health, or the wholeness that they needed. And I surmise that the ones who received health and wholeness, those are the ones who will push through the obstacles to get to Jesus, like the woman with the issue of blood. Matthew eleven thirty talks about how they would collect themselves onto Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, he prophesied through the whole text. And those prophecies were to glory onto God about what, what is currently and what was to come. So giving glory onto God will give us also... Um, unfolding insight into the prophecy and the mysteries not only of the word of God but for our lives David had God's word Jesus is the word and because the word was dwelling richly and inhabiting the praise of the servant and David so much as hid it in his heart Psalm 119, 11 through 16, David was able to thus produce the kind of atmosphere where people wanted to follow him. Okay, though he was the anointed king, his atmosphere, like there are just certain leaders that make it easy for you to follow them. Those who maintain integrity, ethics, the ones you can I, I submit that I can almost identify a godly leader at this point. I can identify them also by their peace. I can identify individuals by the peace of God that's on them. I can walk past someone and say, who, you, you pray a lot. And they would say, how do you know? Because I felt all this peace. He's the prince of peace. And he gives it to those who have sought it. Okay. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So I surmise that if David could carry this kind of atmosphere, if it happened for David, it will happen for me. You'll experience, um, let me go to the scripture first. So I'm going to go to Psalm 119 and start at verse 11. And we will wrap up shortly. about five minutes. So I'm sorry to hold you guys beyond, but I just, I don't want to shortcut or short circuit you. So Psalm 119, 11 says, your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips have I declared and recounted all the ordinances of your mouth. 
I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and have respect to your ways, the paths of life marked out by your law. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I'm going to go ahead to 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live. And I will observe your word, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So David's atmosphere allowed him an atmosphere in which God richly dwelt with him, gave him his atmosphere of joy and peace. And when you start developing this atmosphere, people might randomly start like just oversharing with you, like strangers in Walmart, in a grocery store, um, while you're out and about in line, uh, at the mall, it's like they seek you out and it's almost kind of like, Jesus, hello, what is this? And sometimes he'll just say, talk to them or be a listening ear. But people will randomly overshare with you. Um, People might find you. And this happens to me all the time. I'll be shopping in the store and people will come find me to have me help them find what they're looking for. And I'm like, in my head, I don't even work here. But they, they, they have been led to feel like you have their answer. So it's even the little things. Um, people might find you for encouragement or consolation. It's because God's word is permeating your being and radiating into the atmosphere. So, um, you know, there are some people when they don't appreciate you, they will definitely realize and miss your presence because you bring God into the room with you. Bill Bright, a theologian who um, submitted uh, a quote to one of the devotional resources that I read um, for successful leaders says, the sermon of your life in tough times ministers to people more powerfully than the most eloquent speaker. So in closing, um, I just want to say we are weaving together our principles. We've done life principle one, which was intimacy with God is God's highest priority for our lives. Life principle two, which is obey God and leave all the, the consequences to him. And now we're in God's word is the immovable anchor for times of storm. And this section, particularly being anchored in the word, we are, as we weave these principles together, the transformation obtained by faith in Jesus is allowing us to stitch together the fabric of life, which is a fabric we will wear clothing garments of praise and righteousness with glory through the accomplishment of obedience. Ultimately, anchoring in the word will stop you from arguing with God. So as we wrap up, we're going to wrap up and I'm going to um, actually wrap up and we're going to pray the word. We're going to pray Joel 
to 23 through 30. So, Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus, we thank you again. We thank you for having your way in this meeting. We thank you that your word has gone forth as you have delivered it onto your servant. Holy Spirit, thank you for sitting on this meeting. Thank you for anointing it. Thank you for the minds that you are continuously working and preparing to receive the word of God with good understanding. Let the hearts be made good soil to receive the word as good seed that will bring forth the harvest and the fruits of your righteousness. As the children of Zion, we will rejoice in you, O Lord. You are our God. You give us the former or early rain in just measure and in righteousness, and you cause to come down for us the rain, the former rain and the latter rain as before. We thank you that as we continue through our days, that our threshing floors shall be full of grain and that the vats shall overflow with juice of the grape and oil. And you will restore you will replace the years that the locust has eaten, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the crawling locust, that our great army, the army of God, which you have sent, will be among this earth. Thank you, Father, that we shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. We will praise the name of the Lord our God, who has dealt wondrously with us, and your people shall never be put to shame. You shall know and we shall let others know and understand and realize that you are the God in the midst of us and that you are the Lord and there is none else. Your people shall never be put to shame. And afterward, and because we've already received the great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ crucified onto the cross, that you have poured out your spirit upon all flesh. So Father, in the name of Son, Jesus, let your sons and let your daughters prophesy. Let them dream dreams and let them see visions. I call it already done in Jesus's mighty and matchless marvelous name, amen. Amen. <laughs>